Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Essential Apple Show where my guests and I discussed the last 7-10 to 10 days in the world of Apple news, reviews, roundup, rumours, gadgets, tech and, well, anything else really. And we've got some big news this week as well. But before we get into that, let me just introduce this week's guest, which is the same as last week really. It's Simon. How are you doing? Not too bad, Mark. Not too bad. Got a bit of a sniffle, which is somewhat annoying. But other than that, life's life's life, isn't it? Yeah, thanks for bearing with me on yet another seamless attempt at trying to get the podcast up and running. I touched nothing. And Carl will say this from his um, his back and forth show. I've touched nothing. And yet I come in this morning. We've been recording 20 minutes of fluff, which puts us in good stead for the network that we're about to announce that we've just joined before we've even got running. We were supposed to be up and running, what, about half two with this now quarter past three on a Sunday. Oh, I think I need to speak to Guy. Guy from the, oh, what show is he on? My, My Mac. Mac, yes. It comes to something when you have to turn to Guy for help. <laughs> Hopefully he'll take that in the uh, nicest possible way. And speaking of which... We are now part of the MyMac.com network of podcasts. We were supposed to do this last year, but things, if you've listened to my previous show, kind of got in the way. Uh, but Tim kept the offer open for us. It's given us a nice comfy chair by the mantle side of the MyMac.com website fireplace. And yes, we're going to be there entertaining that part of the world as well in our own weird British sort of ways, our own British sort of humour, which may or may not go down well, considering some of the ideas I had yesterday, you might only get if you're of a certain age demographic and live in a certain part of the UK, but we will see how it goes. So this is what you can expect from other shows on the MyMac.com network. She was just scary. I'm sorry. Yeah, they, go, they go on about... Well, I, I that girl looked like she was probably taking blood from... <laughs> various members of the audience is, is she australian she's uh australian. no actually i think she's from transylvania because <laughs> <laughs> i squircle around on a mattress what i don't know the g-men on the mymac.com podcast Yes, that's the sort of thing that you're going to be in for. If you're wanting high-tech, high-brain discussion, this may not be the podcast for you. As we just sort of look at things in a way of the everyday Joe, how it affects people on the street. Well, I say people on the street, things like using the Apple Watch on a daily basis, my blinking AirPods. All that coming up in a bit. But you can get hold of us via the social media. The uh, what have we got? We got the Twitter at Essential Apple. You've got the email. If you go to, we well, can send an email to Mark at EssentialApple.com. We're on, going to be on the MyMac.com website. We can leave notes and little what are they called feedback. That's what I'm looking for. The Google Plus, and we have a Slack channel. Yes. So we've sort of been thinking about this for a while. I've been wanting to get it up and running. Simon's come on board and given me the push to do it. So if you want to chat to us, you can get a hold of us via Slack. Now, how are we getting people to get a hold of us, Simon? Uh, well, Mark, because of the way Slack works, you need an invitation. So the best way to get an invitation will be to email me on Saranac Assassin at iCloud.com and that's S E R E N A K and then Assassin in the spelling. Uh, and drop me a line and I will send you an invite. Or just as another thought, and I'm sounding very much like Donald Trump, here's something I've just thought of. If you want to follow us on the Twitter at Essential Apple, well, you can then DM us and then we will get you the link so you can come and join us in our little Slack community. Got no idea of how it's going to work, what the uptake will be, if anything, but you know what? It's better to give it a go than not give it a go at all. So think that all of the admin type stuff out the way. Um, what's been happening in your world, in, in the world of Apple in your world, I should say, even? Anything exciting, any new apps that you've tried recently? Uh, well, I've been messing around a bit looking at uh, digital audio workstations, which is uh, well outside my comfort zone and probably way above my pay grade, to be honest. So uh, that's been interesting. Uh, I tried Avid Pro Tools first, which is free, which uh, fails to run most of the time on my MacBook. So that went out the window. Um, I've got uh, a download of Adobe Audition, which uh, I thought I'd have a look at some tutorials for, which spent half an hour telling me about the fabulous new features, which are way above what I'm interested in. So I think that might be a bit too much for me. So I might be falling back to Audacity yet again. But uh, that was my experimentation on the app front this week. 
Uh, other than that, of course, we've heard that Apple are going to hold the WWDC in uh, San Jose instead of at uh, San Francisco. Um, I'm pretty sure the main reason for that is it's a lot closer to the new Apple campus and uh, their engineers and crew will spend a lot to- a lot less time driving backwards and forwards. Um, and, of course, there's some stuff about wireless charging bring it on mr gernsback uh, we'll come to that in a moment i had my rant with you on the phone about that yesterday i'm with you on the digital audio workstation because there just seems to be you're sort of hobbled by what garage band can do it's not bad but the second you sort of start getting familiar with it and you start tweaking you go oh i wonder if i can do this and i wonder if i can do that and invariably the answer's always no so then you do start looking at things and audacity is a cracking bit of software um i I'm trying to think why I don't use it. I think it's because you're only limited to be able to record onto two tracks. And what I try and do is, rightly or wrongly, I have a track for me, a track for the guests, and then I have a soundboard track. Now, maybe I need to go and rework that thinking and go back to just having a two-track setup. I don't know. But then then you you just... There's such a massive jump. As you've probably found, you go from GarageBand Audacity. I'm trying to use Reaper at the moment... And yes, you can go out there, you can follow tutorials on YouTube, which show you how to do it, but you never get a real understanding of all the inner workings. So one of the reasons we're late recording is I couldn't work out why my inputs weren't working properly, uh, which you've now sorted by random clicking button. Uh, (laughs) Well, bizarrely, of course, and somewhat annoyingly for me, uh, I took out a a 10-day free trial of lynda.com and immediately started downloading, you know, tutorials on how to do, uh, you know, digital audio workstations for beginners. So the Avid uh, Pro Tool tutorial was wonderful. Brilliant. Unfortunately, the software doesn't really like to run very well on my MacBook. Not quite sure why. Um, The Adobe Audition, I'm afraid the tutorials I've watched, I don't know, half an hour, an hour, and I haven't even got to this is what you do with Audition yet, which is not helpful. So I may be looking for a a tutorial on Linda about uh, Audacity because my needs are actually going to be fairly lightweight. You know, let's be honest. I'm not going to be recording Deep Purple at the O2. I mean, 64 tracks in 64 additional sub-edits is not really my scene. There's one app that I love for iOS, and it's called Ferrite, because that, for me, and I would imagine for sort of a lot of entry-level podcasters, is brilliant, because it's basically a multi-track editor, more or less aimed, I would say, at podcasting in general. And it's so simple, and it's so nice, but the problem is, is because it's on iOS... You can't do anything like recording on it. Um, you might be able to use. No, I was just thinking. Can you use ZenCaster? But probably. Well, what not. I I have used Ferrite, Mark, in the past, um, and you can record. You can record single tracks. What I mostly did was use Ferrite to record, uh, then export those pieces from Ferrite to iCloud, and then take them into Audacity to string them together. Ferrite is brilliant. You can edit in Ferrite, don't get me wrong. You can edit in Ferrite, but I don't have an iPad, so trying to do sound edits on an iPhone 6 slash 7 screen is a bit... I've been there. I was on holiday, and when I was with the Mac and Forth crew, I was trying to deal with the world's slowest uh, Wi-Fi and then dealing with an iPhone 6 that was having problems whilst the temperature was about 25 degrees, which and the phone was in a case, which meant it just kept running out of battery. But you, know, you can do it. Once you get the workflow underway, it, doesn't, it feels less hacking, very much close to, I don't want to say a desktop experience, because I don't think that would do it justice, but close to something resembling you can sort of look at it and go, you know what, this isn't bad. I, I wouldn't say it was an app you would use in a pinch but if you wanted to do all your editing on an iPad and you've like basically got a very simple set, it's really, really good and especially like the auto-ducking, you can do a bit of compression on there as well uh, and it doesn't really call exporting and I think now, if I remember correctly you can export to uh, Orphonic which is a online app which basically takes your audio then levels it all off and gets rid of some noise and hum right. um, Well, I mean, Ferrite Ferrite's very impressive. It's certainly um, I'm not sure how many tracks you can record at once. That's the only problem. But but it it certainly is uh, ideal for somebody who wants to make a, a solo podcast. And it's what I used uh, that time I did the Serenac broadcasting piece. That was done with Ferrite and then finished off in Audacity. I mean, what you can do, you can get the other side of the conversation to record 
their audio, which is often a bit of a pain in the backside, but doing what's called a double ender does mean you get a backup, as I learned the other week when the show went a bit haywire. Uh, then you can basically, they just drop it into Dropbox, you can pull it down, and then lo and behold, you're multi-track editing on an iPad in, look, for once, the iPad can be used for productivity, yeah, which is something should that we're we, going to cover in a bit. I was going to say, should we go into that one in a bit, Mark? Yep. So what have we got in the news this week, ladies? As you mentioned, WWDC is in San Jose. The only thing I sort of got to comment on that I hadn't even seen the invite yet, if I'm honest, is the fact it may kill off the alternative conference scene, maybe. Not quite. Um, it's quite, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's quite a lot of things, haven't they, have developed around WWDC because getting a ticket is nice on impossible i mean you have to enter a lottery to get the chance to pay a phenomenal amount of money to go to the wwdc um and as a result there's a whole variety of satellite events have uh, developed around it and of course being in downtown san francisco uh, is no doubt lovely for that but um quite interestingly john gruber pointed out that the biggest reason he could see to move to uh, San Jose was it's a lot closer to Apple. And he posited, which I thought was quite interesting and probably right, that originally at WWDC, you know, Apple was not the steamroller conglomerate it is now. So they needed to hold a conference where they'd get coverage. Whereas now, uh, as Mr. Gruber said, they could hold their WWDC in the middle of the Sahara Desert and the world's media would still come flocking. So effectively, now they're huge. They can hold their WWDC wherever the hell they like. Very interesting. I've just pulled up the invite, uh, that, that, or the thing on the website, a thing on the website. That's great grammatical prowess there, isn't it? The, the images that I've seen floating around for the announcement. And this time, I'm quite relieved there's been no Kremlinography. There's been no saying, oh, well, look at... But there's two people holding hands. That must mean handshaking, which must mean wireless charging. Or look at that. There's someone taking a selfie with a small child in their hand. That must mean that they're going to turn it into a pregnancy testing kit. So I'd be really glad there's been no, none of that sort of trying to de- decipher the code. In fact, that's one of the articles that I've always meant to write, where you take an invite to like the iPhone event, and you go ahead and look at all the rumours and look at what everyone said. Oh, it's possibly going to be this, that or the other. And and actually see how many times people have got it right. I might uh, forget the bar. Well, I've got plenty of time in the minute, so I might have a look into that. Do you follow WWDC much other than when the big event, when the big press event comes up? Do you sort of watch that and then just tune out? Or do you actually go out there and scour and take note of what's coming up? Um, no, really. I mean, I like to know what's going on. I like to watch the keynote. No, I, I'm not a coder. I'm not a programmer. I'm not a developer. So all the rest of WWDC, much of which you can uh, get live on the web or whatever, no, because it's way above my understanding, to be honest, Mark. I, I watch the keynote so that I get what Uncle Tim and Eddie Q and uh, Hair Force One have to say, and that's enough for me. And like with the iPhone, you know, at the minute, iPhone 8, slash x slash extreme slash whatever are everywhere um you know it's going to be glass it's not going to be glass it's going to have oled it's going to have curved screens it's going to be foldable it's going to yes listen when we get it we'll know what it is before that i really don't care yeah it's also find a bit frustrating that you hear about some brilliant features like replay kit which is apparently going to allow live streaming and saving a video but that's that just doesn't seem to happen and this has always been a bit of a worry for for apps in general especially games on the iphone or the ipad is that you can never tell if it's if developers are putting out shovelware or if they really are trying to make the most of the hardware inside the iphone because it is a very powerful bit of kit but i had a look the other day and i struggled to see many games where advertises that it uses metal now maybe that's a, a thing where they don't want to mention metal because oh what's metal that'll just confuse those lovely gamery type people but you just i don't know for me following apple and hearing a little bit about these buzzwords like metal and replay kit if i see something that says metal on there it's like oh i'm gonna buy that and have a look and see if i can spot the difference it does 
I don't know, just for me, it's, you kind of look at things and go, oh, that'll be so nice. Like the fabled, um, what was it, came up the other this week. Uh, group calling for FaceTime was allegedly going to be a thing. Well, yeah, why there isn't group calling on FaceTime, I've never quite got. But then Apple have always pitched it, you know. Apple have always pitched it as a one-to-one thing. They've never said conference call, or at least it's not as not that I'm aware of. No, I, I, there was something around the lines of it's some weird patenty type thing and all that sort of stuff. But I suppose we uh, that brings us nicely on to this. We should give a shout out to the rather rather lovely people at Wire. Well, that's WireApp.com, who have basically got a Skype alternative that features end-to-end encryption. Now, in previous shows, and this is probably the worst segue I've ever done, in previous shows, we were I would always do a recording my end, I'd do get the guest recording their end, because I knew that Skype would just end up thrashing my Mac. Bearing in mind I've got a 2014 Mac Mini, which I know means nothing's ever been updated. The fans would always be spinning up, it would all I'd get the occasional chop out, everything like that. Now with wire, it has pretty much been it's it's like night and day with just how good it's been. We we, we did a three hour phone call the other day, sorry for the last show, and it didn't miss a beat and I was flinging files upwards and downwards, didn't have a problem at all and if anything i want a slower connection now than when i was using skype so big shout out and big kudos to our friends at wireapp.com they've got a mac client linux client windows client and a web client and it features end-to-end security encryption and they seem to be really cool so yeah it does does video calling audio calling group calling file exchange instant messaging and everything you can think of um when when we get sim if we get sim to come on the uh on the podcast and talk to us about how they've made it so lovely. Uh, I'm going to ask him if he can make it make toast for me. <laughs> it, it it really just is that good. It's very, very good. So, yes. And uh, thank you for the shirts. Uh, have you got yours? I haven't got mine no, yet. No, no. Not yet. No, no. So we've just done yet. that promo for them. And now we just sound like we like them because they're sending us free stuff. But to be fair, we raved about them last week. And this is a show where you know, if we like something, we really like something. We don't just go ahead and review stuff for the sake of review. Although if you do have an app or a bit of count there you want us to review, send a message to us via the Twitters or via the website and we will see what we can do for you. Um, yep, idea. And th- I think... Mark, my turn to do a segue, talking about hardware. How about we introduce John and his hardware store? Yep, that sounds a good idea. So, John, it's over to you. Two unusual audio products for music on the go this week in Nemo's hardware store. The first one has a very long name, but I just call them hybrid headphones because that's what it says on the box. The official name is Wired or Wireless Hybrid Headphones Smart Omi Magnetic Bluetooth 4.1 Headset with Mic Convertible cord, cordless earphones fit for long time travel or sport. We will have the links for this product in our show notes. The cost in the US ranges from $46 to $60. Mark will have the UK buying information. At first glance, there are wireless Bluetooth headphones or earphones or earbuds. The two driver housings magnetize together. So when you're not using them, you can loop them around your neck or hang them on a hook someplace. You charge them up using an included charging cable, and they've got the three buttons for the power and the volume and the fast forward and all that sort of stuff. Then you see, hey, there's another cable, and you plug this cable into the USB micro port, the same one that you plug in the charging USB micro cable, and this one is totally unusual. It has a audio plug on the other end, so you can literally use these wired or wireless. It's a complete breakthrough. The sound is good, the comfort is good, the build quality is good, the design is attractive and robust, and for this price point, you will be pleased with the versatility of the wired or wireless hybrid headphones. The company is Smart Omi, S-M-A-R-T-O-M-I, but please look them up on our show notes and see what a good deal you can get for your equivalent of $46 to $60 for earbuds that work wired with a cable or wireless Bluetooth. Definite recommendation for versatility, portability, and value. Second product is also versatile and portable. It's called the UDAC 5, but let's spell that. Lowercase u, then uppercase DAC, and then number 5. I just call it the UDAC 5. 
The company is Optoma. I have the European link, optomaeurope.com. So Mark will have the links in our show notes for Amazon in the UK, in addition to the Optoma Europe link. This is a small little metal box, about two and a half inches by two inches by a half an inch. On the front is an on-off switch and a headphone port and a little on light. On the rear is a USB input port. It's like a printer port, the old-fashioned larger squarish USB. And that's how it gets its power because at the other end is a flat USB tip that goes into your computer, in my case, a MacBook Pro. Then next to that on the back, and again, you must see the show notes and the pictures, you've got a left and a right analog digital output, and then a coax output. So you've got a white and a red L and R on the new Force UDAC 5 on the rear. The operation is very simple. I plug it into the USB port on either side of my MacBook Pro. I go into my system preferences for output, and it immediately shows up. No drivers or settings or downloads or anything like that. Then I plug in my headphones into the front. I take the volume on the Mac all the way up. And then I start with the volume very low on the UDAC 5 and gradually increase it using my premium headphones to get a really powerful sound. The DAC in UDAC stands for Digital Analog Conversion. So I'm converting from pure digital to analog. And so the sound gets totally muscularized. There's no other word for it. I tried it both ways, both with and without on the MacBook Pro, and the sound just has more muscle and more power and more oomph, more presence, just really a dynamic, robust sound. But please, after you've turned the volume all the way up on your MacBook, start with it very, very low and then gradually increase it so you don't blow your brains out because when this thing is cranked up, it is powerful. If you want to use speakers instead of headphones, then you can plug in the white and the red cable on the back. And you know what I'm talking about, those of you who are audio people. But the great thing is it's very small, goes in your pocket, goes in your tote bag. So you have portable audio that's DAC quality wherever you go. The price is $199 in the U.S. for the New Force UDAC 5 High Resolution Mobile Digital Analog Converter. So this is something to consider if you are a serious audio person on the go, both with mobile earbuds and with a premium audio conversion of your sound to give it tons of muscle. Thanks for listening. Back next week. Cheers, John, once again for doing another Nemo's Hardware Store. If you can get hold of John at Nemo at gmail.com. Have I got no, that one right? My Mac. Nemo at mymac.com. So just to answer one of the questions that came in to us when we did this segment a while ago, the DAC for MacBook, can you use it with the new MacBook Pro? And they came back to say the UDAC 5 should work with the new MacBook Pro if you're using USB-C to your dongle. It doesn't work with iPad, iPhones or the Apple TV. The UDAC 5 is designed to be used with Mac and PCs at home, on the go or in professional applications such as audio monitoring. Now you can get this for $199 from newforce.com link will be in the show notes £174 in the UK or if you want to help us out you can get it at amazon.com by using our affiliate link and that means anything you click on we get a very very small amount of commission just putting that one out there. You can, in fact, you don't have to buy what you click on, by the way. Once you've clicked on that link and then you go and check out, that counts as we get a very, very small uh, affiliate commission link. These Smart Omi headphones are not available in the UK, unfortunately. They're available from smartomi.com for $59 or getting for $45 Again, from Amazon, hope using our Amazon affiliate. Right, back to some stories then. What have we got next on the list? Ah, uh, there was the new iPad adverts. Ah, yes, the 15-second iPad adverts. Now, I've only watched these uh, a few minutes before we came on air. What have we got? They've got the... An iPad Pro isn't close to being a computer. This one resonated with me a little bit because the the Apple Surface um, adverts, when they when they come out, they, they're always going, oh, you can't do this on a Mac. and Sorry, you can't do this on an iPad or that on an iPad. No, sorry, other way around you can't do this on a macbook or that on a macbook you can't do that on a mac that yeah. was there and that's because well yes because it hasn't got a touch screen it oh 
that advert just winds me right yeah, up. It just, they were just very, very annoying. Yeah. To be honest. That was, again, they did make the thing about split screen using the Apple Pencil, which I've been playing with this, this week again, and I really, really like it. We're going to cover that in a moment. The next one was slow Wi-Fi at home. Guess I'm studying at the gym tonight. Uh, this was basically touting the fact that it's got LTE. And about all these adverts as well so far, it hasn't gone out there and done the Samsung or Microsoft thing of dissing the competition. Uh, Microsoft Word of the Apple iPad, I use it quite a bit. Uh, it's just a shame that I'm not really supposed to take my iPad into work. But if I had a Surface Book, that would be all okay. Uh, and the other one is my laptop has the nastiest virus and I'm terrified. A nice little play there to say that, you know, in general, iPads and iPhones don't get viruses. Although there was some sort of macro virus I think I heard about it the other day. But that was just a passing, passing <laughs> virus. Yeah. Welcome back to 1994. But the thing is about these adverts is that... They're 15 seconds in length, and they're just really nice and to the point. And again, yeah, I think Gruber summed it up nicely that it's the simplicity is it's almost classic Apple. It's like if you want to work out on the road, don't worry, take a big screen and it's got a modem in there for you, LTE modem. I've I've almost started giving consideration now that if I was to upgrade my whether I would go LTE on. What about yourself? You haven't got an iPad, but what would be the one that you would go for out of the entire range of iPads and why? Um yeah, I don't have an iPad, really, because there isn't space in my life for an iPad, because I've got a MacBook Pro, admittedly old one, with the DVD drive, pre-retina, but, um, and I've got an iPhone 7, and before that I had the iPhone 6. Um, I, I don't really find a need. If I did, I think I would probably be tempted to go for one of the uh, iPad minis. I, I find the, the sort of 10-inch ones uncomfortable. Um, strangely not they just don't seem to suit me uh, so probably it would be one of the minis for me uh, would I put LTE in it probably not because you pay a big premium for that and the amount I would likely use it I would probably just connect it to my iPhone but the iPad just really isn't for me the, the iPad Pro is a brilliant piece of equipment I think it's you know by all accounts absolutely amazing but uh, I don't draw or sketch or paint or, or do anything that the pencil would probably do me any favours for. So effectively, I'd just be paying a lot of money to show off. I will admit, I, I've got some friends. Well, sorry, that's not the admission. I have friends, everybody. <laughs> but I have friends and they've got a big 10-inch, uh, what's it? They've got the big iPad, then they've got the that's small the iPad Pros. 12.9. Yep. And it's so lovely to work on. We've been doing some artist work on it because I've been running a, a been setting up an Etsy shop. Uh, again, we are coming to the iPad as a productivity tool in just a second, but I can see why people like it. Uh, and the artist chap that I was talking to who used to work in the analog way of, you know, brush, paints, colours, having that little wooden board that you put your thumb through to hold it up. He said to me the other day, um, yeah, he absolutely hated it to start off. With. Absolutely hated it. But now he's been freed. Oh, what's the what's that horrible saying I came up with the other day? He's been freed from the constraints of traditional medium. And now he's free to express himself in a new and unique way. Johnny Ive, <laughs> Johnny Ive would be proud of that one. Simon <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh that's probably about it but yeah, then again it is true if you, you know if you can get over the chain from traditional uh, analog media onto working with you know on a glass surface you you are free a lot more free to experiment because you can put things on layers you can mess about and can non-destructively do things you know what if i what if i put a bit of water wash on this picture oh no that's all gone horribly wrong well i'll just go back a couple of steps i mean i showed him you're right and i showed him layers on friday and it was like huh Hey, what is what is this? How what is a you know? Do, I mean, this is someone who's so, you know so incredibly good with his hands because I think he, do, he works with wood on a daily basis. That's not a euphemism. But he he didn't realize that you could have like layers where you work on that layer and then rip it off, and he's like, oh wow! And then you could just see this thing in his head suddenly go ping. And so now, you know, he's basically what would take him ages and ages and ages to like carefully draw and push out. He's just really good artwork. And it's really nice to see the iPad being used uh, in that way. Oh, well, that's excellent. I'm really, that's really pleasing, isn't it? Because and that, I'm sure Johnny Ive would be really pleased to hear that one as well. Because I don't, 
I don't think the... I don't know if people are calling it the failure of the iPad. I don't know. I can't honestly say if it's a failure or not in my world. Well, I, actually, no. I'll take that, but I can say it's been a failure in my world because the only time I really use my iPad is to watch Netflix or Twitch. That is pretty much it. If it comes out the bedroom sideboard where it's resting now, uh, waiting for me to do some more binge watching, that's basically it. And it's, it is all down to the apps. Um, we, we might as well jump into this bit of the story now. So in the last few weeks, I've really been trying to use my iPad as a work tool. And I know I've covered this before, but the more I try and push it, the more I'm sort of finding it's the limitations of the apps, which gets me every single time. So I'll give you, yeah, we'll go through the story of this week. So I'm trying to design a postcard and it's on A5. Now, coming from an old school world, I know that A5, I know the dimension and I need to set the, the DPI, is that right? Pixels per inch. Yeah, the PPI. Now, Pixelmator doesn't let you do that, but Adobe Sketch does. But then if you want to go bigger than uh, a, A5, A6, Adobe Sketch will let you do that, but Pixelmator will, but you have to do it in a very, very roundabout way because it, yeah, Pixelmator doesn't support PPI. You have to work on the size of the canvas. So you start getting into this Again, it's a big jump of, you know what you're looking for when you come from a desktop app to an iPad app, but then you find that you can't do it or you have to do it in a completely different way and it's just absolutely maddening. So I'll give you an example. Last night on my little Etsy store, I decided that I wanted to change the background of an image and the actual image site. But you've got to do it in such a convoluted way because you have to set up image one. Now, image one is going to be your final output. So I've gone for 800 by 800, put my background in there. Now, normally on a desktop, you can drag the image in, you can resize it with a gram handle, export it, perfect. Not with the iPad that I found because it doesn't seem to handle resizing very well within an app. Instead, you have to open image two, resize it to the dimensions that you want to get the best uh, algorithmic resizing doodah, copy that image, go back into image one, and then paste that image into there and then export it, which just, oh, it's just a nightmare. It just, again, this is where we came back to last week, that there's a lot of things, you, if you want to work on the iPad, it becomes a bit of a hack. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And I just still think, I don't think the iPad is a failure. I just think that the iPad is not being allowed to exploit its full potential, which comes back yet again to my, you know, long held belief that the iPad really needs its own version of iOS. See, the only problem I would have with that is, do you make it more Mac-like or do you develop it in a Windows sort of way where Microsoft have got this vision for a unified OS across devices? That it's sort of work. Well, I would say it's sort of working, but you try buying a Windows tablet or a Windows phone at the minute. They are like rocking horse poo. Well, uh, I believe Windows phone share has dropped to below 0.3%. It's uh, below Black BlackBerry. That's no, how you it's not. BlackBerry's share has reached 0.0%. Nice. That is their sales share. Don't forget that the sales share measures how many, how big a percentage of this quarter's sales, think. But uh, yeah. BlackBerry have reached 0.0% in the world table phones. I don't think they ever helped themselves when it was revealed that the UAE could monitor all of your supposedly really, really high well, encrypted... I think BlackBerry's, you know, demise is going to be one of those things that's going to end up in, uh, you know, business studies courses of the future, explaining how not to, uh, how to go from king of the hill to crash and burn in a very short period of time. Never mind the the hardware issue about their clinging to hardware keyboards when it was obvious that the iPhone had destroyed that. But their biggest problem was, of course, that they marketed themselves right from the get-go as a secure business tool with uh, secure email. And of course, once it came out that that wasn't strictly true, you've kind of shot yourself right in the foot. You've lost your entire entire uh, business model. Well, you've lost your yeah, you've lost your unique selling point, haven't you? And you know when their when their selling point was yes, but Android and Apple and all the rest are not as secure as we are. When somebody comes forward and says, "Oh yeah, unless you've got money to pay BlackBerry to let you have a back door, then um, yeah, then it all collapses. Yeah, that the whole was... thing just falls apart, doesn't it? I, I will when I. Used used the blackberry thing it was basically i never understood it because it just 
oh, what was it? I think it was my sister who had one. And it was all right, but you could just tell it was just a, for, for me, it was just like a texting tool. It's like, please enter your pin. Okay, what's a pin? Then you have to go out and work out what a pin is because everybody thinks, you know, pin is what you put on your card. And, oh, it was, that was one of the saddest Christmases I had. Oh, was it? Did I get my Apple TV too? I'm trying to think if it was a sad Christmas or not because might, that might have been the Christmas that I got my Apple too. God bless it, which is just sitting on the side doing nothing. Well, I mean, uh, I've got a colleague at work who carried on using Black for till really recent. Um, I'm, I guess because he was familiar with them, you know. But it says um, something. If you've got someone like Microsoft, who you know, who are fairly big, and they did have a bit of a push on their Windows phones. If they can't sort of make a bit of a dent in the world, then that just shows how locked down the market is. But I, I yeah. was very, very tempted to get a Windows phone. Up the Windows until- phone is, I think, a tragic, tragic loss to the world. Uh, you know, I, I really applauded Microsoft for their for the, the phone because the whole, uh, what was it called, modern design flat tile thing worked fabulous on a phone. It really did. It really was quite blatantly designed for a phone or, at the worst, a tablet. Um, the trouble was, I think, they were too late by the time they got to it and they couldn't get enough developers on board. Uh, my teenage girls had uh, Lumia phones for a while, um, and when they got them, they thought they were fabulous. But what killed them for them was when they found, you know, getting hold of Snapchat or a proper WeChat client or whatever. Yeah. That is when, you know, they started to go off it because if they couldn't, you know, they couldn't get a decent YouTube client, they couldn't, they couldn't work with Snapchat, they couldn't do, they couldn't get a proper Instagram client, whatever. I'm not saying these are the exact things, but there were things no. they wanted and they just weren't available. It's and sort of like having an iPhone, but not having, having an iPhone, but without any data. You've basically just got this thing you look at yeah. and go, ah, so what, what they, do I do you know, They ended up, of course, the result was that the phones got used less and less and they'd be coming around going, you know, Dad, can I just borrow your iPhone for a second to post this on Instagram? You know, Mum, can I borrow your iPad because I want to put something on Snapchat? So the that is what has killed the Windows Phone. That is what has killed it dead. What always worried me about the Windows Phone is that every time I sort of looked at it, there was always another price drop. There was always like, now it's got $50 off, now it's got $70 off, now you suddenly got $50 off, but you get a free dock. And that, well, to me, just that really is, eroded. That always, that always warns you, doesn't it, that something's struggling. Yeah? That, when yeah. somebody starts slashing the prices, for, you know, when they start... What was it? What was the famous one? Was it the Amazon Fire Phone? It came out and it was, you know. Oh, yeah, another. Um, it was going to be $400 and within a week it was down to 99 cents or something, you know. Yeah, yeah, another iPhone killer. Yeah. And it's uh, not that I mind anything saying it's going to be an iPhone killer at all. It's just because you don't want to. One of the things I always get worried about is being a bit blase about, oh, look at this, it's going to be another phone, it's going to be another iPhone killer. And I try and avoid that mindset because you know the second that you do, you're going to be in that situation where, ah, something is nipping on the heels of the iPhone. Now, Microsoft apparently going to do this Surface phone, which could be interesting. But again, is it too late? Because it just seems like everyone has just pulled support for developing any apps uh, on that ecosystem. Well, isn't, you know, to me, I can't. How is a Surface phone any different from a Windows phone, a Windows 10 phone? Surely the whole point of their thing of this seamless shift from phone to surface to desktop to whatever with their whole scalable os is that it's all the same so rebranding it surface seems to me is just a desperate way to try and pretend it's something new you know and and cling on to the coattails of the success of the surface and the surface book i mean you know if you're in microsoft and you've got this well you know we've, we've had a success for this let's see if we can't relaunch the phone well fine you know i would as well but from outside just giving it another name doesn't make any difference without the developers and the apps i I can't see it going anywhere no and it's also been in but it is interesting now to see that they are making inroads into into workplaces i know that in our work right now you cannot get an ipad in through the door the it team just do not want to see ipads there but if you've got a lenovo yoga or you've got that a surface machine you're absolutely you you know you're you're welcome through the door with open arms and i've never understood why there is that resistance that's because 
What what's the uh, what's the saying? You'll never convince a man to believe something when his job relies on him not. <laughs> you know that's that's corporate IT everywhere. Yeah. Corporate IT has lived on the back of Microsoft for the last thirty or forty years. They do not want their hallowed hall disrupted by you know some upstart, particularly one which has been proven time and time again to need much less IT support. Yeah, uh, and, and, <laughs> their yeah. jobs count on keeping you on complicated, difficult to maintain, or you know suck the teeth. Mm, well, when it looks like the loop back interface uh, wobbly congenitor blah 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 has uh, broken. We've uh, had just give Max, me half an hour to refix yeah. it for you. We, we've yeah. had Macs and everything. Uh, sorry, what was it? We've got four iPads, of which I've never seen, because it's that thing of, oh, look at that, it just works. Uh, we've got two, uh, what have we got? We've got two MacBook Pros. Again, no problem with that. We've got a spare MacBook Pro. Never seen that come up to, um, uh, never seen that come into the office either. So it's just been... It's just been really nice. It really, really has. It, it, it does frustrate me because the iPad can be so capable, yet because there's this old-fashioned notion that, oh, yeah, they're just going to abuse it and they're not really going to do work on it, whereas I really don't see the difference between that and a Surface, but I could be wrong. I, I think you'll find that that mostly comes down to corporate IT and the fact that uh, if it's Windows, they can tie it into their corporate control network. Yeah, the, the things that they can do to lock it down, tie it into their secure exchange server. Yeah, but that's the thing. You've got Outlook on the iPad and iPhone works and it's not a bad client. You've got Word and Excel, which means you can do all that stuff on there. But it's just this, It's they still have this perceived problem of being too expensive for what they are and admittedly i've just said that i only use mine for watching twitch which is daft because when i'm sat on the sofa i should be on my ipad not on my phone yeah well there you go so i don't know um is the ipad a failure i don't think it is but is it reaching its full potential and is that why its sales are dropping uh, probably you know, your opinion and probably. there's always been this thing about oh well the sales have gone a bit lackluster and a little bit low so obviously it's not uh, apple's focus but it's just testament to that it's testament to the hardware now that you know my air one is still chugging along nicely but i guarantee i place good money on this on the next version of ios i'm gonna hit that thing where the os doesn't quite go at th- 60 frames a second and i've and any time the os isn't silky smooth because of an ios update that's it time to upgrade uh, and move on well if i told you my boy is using uh, an ipad 2 that is the actual second ipad uh you might be surprised but that also proves of course how long they last you know uh it is true you know you do not we do not really need to replace our phones every year or two but we do you but take that, that back of course you by do phone contracts that's engendered by phone contracts if you had to go out and pay 900 pounds for your phone you would not on the whole go and update it every year you would treat it like your laptop you would keep it for three or four years maybe more and then you'd think about changing. You'd think about changing it because there's something in the new OS that won't go on your current phone. There, yeah, I've I've been hit with that a little bit. There's been things that I've wanted to do, like handoff, that my equipment doesn't do. Uh, what's well, it? Adobe? Uh, yeah, was it? Hell, Adobe? you're talking about handoff. Your equipment should. Do, I don't know. I don't. Oh, know continuity. That's the one. Continuity. Right. Well, my. I mean, handoff slash continuity, whatever it's called. Has stopped working on my Mac. Right? If I if I open my iPhone and bring up Note, it's supposed to open the little Notes icon on the left hand side of my dock so that I can switch, but it doesn't work. I don't know when it stopped working. Whether it's the latest iOS beta that's broken it or the latest, uh, you know, Sierra beta that's broken it, but it's just stopped working. I've sent a note to App. I've sent a feed. There you go. That's what you get for living on the bleeding edge. Well, bleeding edge, all my equipment is slowly bleeding to death. <laughs> well, my equipment's not that new, obviously, as you can tell. If my MacBook Pro still has the DVD drive, it's not a new machine. <laughs> right. What else have we got on our list to talk about? Um, we did actually mention about the uh, the Apple TV. Now, that I thought was a quite interesting because there's a lot of stories now coming up about 4K uh, Apple TVs. I'm Maybe I'm missing something. Is 4K, I feel, are 4K TVs really that prevalent? Now, I went to my local supermarket and, of course, there was El Budgeto Rebrando big box of, oh, 4K TV, which I'm going to assume... Although it says 4K in the grand scheme of things, it's not exactly going to set the world alight in terms of picture quality. But has 4K really made 
that much of a dent. Do you know many people who've upgraded their TV, like they do their phones or anything like that, Simon? No, no. I think 4K is, I suspect eventually 4K will gradually creep in and it will become the standard or at least the top level where people who care about such things will be saying, well, it's time for a new TV. I'm going to 4K. But uh, no, I haven't got, I've got a, you know, I've got an HD TV. I don't know what size, 36 or something. Um, I can't tell the difference between standard and HD, to be honest. So I really really? can't see (laughs) Oh, it's like, like if you ever want to see the difference, have, watch a game of rugby or football or something. Well, that may be, but I'm not a footy watcher. But I can't, you know, 90% of the time, I can't see the difference between my poor eye <laughs> and the viewing distance. You know, I, if I wanted to have HD or, you know, really enjoy HD or go 4K, I suppose I'd need to get an enormous telly, you know. They say if it's less than 48 inch, you're probably wasting your time. So will 4K be a thing? I'm sure it will. Eventually. Eventually. But, you know, TV manufacturers always have to have something to try and entice you, you know, whether it was 3D or smart TVs or, you know, all the rest of it. I mean, smart TVs struck me as a because you do not buy your TV and uh, change it out every two years. So whatever smart, quote unquote, uh, components you put into a TV, they're going to be out of date in two years, aren't they? Oh, it's going to be... Smart TVs are just useless. It, useless. See, it's just a gimmick, gimmick. Much better, if you want that, is to get a, you know, a plug-in, a smart box that connects. So be that Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, whatever. Yeah, there are much better ways to make your TV quote unquote smart than buying a smart TV, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, it's and what I hate about my, my smart TV is the fact I thought, right, okay, this means it's got Netflix, brilliant. Uh, but it hasn't got this, hasn't got that. But the one most disgusting, wretched thing I which stopped me using the so-called smart feature was it does the thing that I hate on the web the most, which is autoplay a video. And then it just doesn't autoplay the autoplay video. It goes, you know what? To be slightly more annoying, I'm going to ramp the volume all the way up. Guess what? Guess what? That reminds me. Did you not see that uh, Facebook are now going to insert autoplaying ads? Oh, joy, because Facebook is wretched enough. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not on Facebook because I hate autoplay. Just can't stand Facebook in general. (laughs) No, my, okay. my, my history with fate. Really? Anyway, let's not get sidetracked into that. that just, I think, how long will we be going for now? Where's the record? 53 55 minutes. minutes. Oh, yeah, that's not bad. The, one story that I did hear this year that I thought we could jump on a little bit about the Apple TV is have they missed a massive opportunity or is it the mindset of Apple that they really, that they haven't gone after gaming on the Apple TV as much as maybe they should have well done. they have they have now started allowing games which require a control pad haven't they yeah but would it not have been an idea to say maybe apple tv plus controller button i or, think it probably or is that a little apple bit too crass to controller either, so no or, or, i mean i i kind of saw the idea behind it i could see why you know johnny and crew said you use the apple tv remote as a game pad and therefore every game that is made for the Apple TV has to work like that. But I don't think it worked. It didn't catch on. And if you look at the game on on the Apple TV, they tend to be very simplistic, don't they? You yeah, know, it's like swipe left, right swipe type right. Yeah. Things where it's, you know, press or not. Uh, that doesn't make them bad games, by the way. I've got a couple of really great games that were like Jetpack Joyride, um, what's it, Temple Run, um, Hill Climb Racer, those sort of things use incredibly simplistic control. And they can be great games. But you're not going to play Call of Duty on the Apple TV with that you know, sad little Siri remote, are you? You need a proper controller. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of... uh, Hang on, let me just do a quick Google for this. So, as I say, Apple have now allowed games to be inserted into the App Store, which, say, requires a controller. Um, And hopefully that will mean that, you know, some more intense kind of games can make it onto the Apple TV. I'm just trying to remember some of the records... Retro gaming now is making such a... Well, it's not making such a huge comeback. It is enjoying a very, very big renaissance period. And I, so far, I don't think I've ever had any games where I'm thinking, you know what, I would actually go out now and spend £20 and go and get a controller. I just haven't had that 
uh, that moment yet. And it's things like um, Super Off-Road Racer or Sprint. Oh, what was that? These are Super Sprint Cars or something like that. Or Lotus Turbo Esprit or little games like that, which... If if they were really done properly, then I'd go, you know what? I could sit down here and get the joypad out and actually have a good gaming session rather than thinking, right, I could go and spend £200 on a PlayStation 4, but then I've, you know, that, I don't want to get into that serious type I think, of gaming. I do think that Apple have... Micro Machines 2. Be I think they, bad. you know, I think they missed their chance to something. Not, not missed completely. They haven't missed the boat, but I don't think they quite addressed the market they wanted to. That, you know, pitching the Apple TV Series Four as a casual gaming machine is great, but I want to be able to play games which are above the level of the things I can play on my phone. Yeah, there needs yeah. to be that. I, I, I don't have a PlayStation. You know, I don't have an Xbox. I'm not a big PC or, or Mac, uh, you know, desktop gamer. But if I could sit in front of the telly and say, nothing on that I fancy, what have we got on uh, Apple TV that I could play and I could get, I don't know, a decent driving game or a half-decent shooting game and use a controller, then, yeah, I probably could sit there for two hours and play Unreal or... Uh, yeah, like a nice... Five yeah. or whatever, Grand Prix racing that, yeah, and that is what I consider, I'm what I would consider to be a casual game. Not as in, oh, two minutes on Temple. No, but I'm a casual gamer. Is I'm not I'm not interested in spending half my life playing Call of Duty or spending a £1,000 on a game to give me two extra FPS to give me that drop on the guy at the other end of the field. Some people are, and good for them. If that's what they want to do, great, you know, absolutely fabulous. But... I'd like to be able to play something maybe of the level of a PS2 kind of game with a controller for an hour or so. And yeah, then I would. I'd go buy a 20, 30 pound control and spend a few quid on games on the Apple TV. But at the moment, the games are very much of the level of the sort of, thing, of Temple Run and whatnot, the sort of games that I'll spend five minutes on on my phone. And yeah, then I'm done. yeah. And that's, yeah, that, you're right there. There's just not enough difference because, all right, it's not the greatest of hassle to go into your Apple TV, flick through the menu and load up the game. But you just kind of want that better experience rather than just being, you know, slightly bigger on the screen yeah well i mean a lot of the games that are on the apple tv are very much you know tap 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 flappy bird kind of level of control and ah, uh, they bore me very very quickly or you get the ones that really so you get just sucked in enough uh before they go ah right spend money uh you can't <laughs> or wait 20 minutes or that sort of well that's a whole different ball game isn't it yeah i think that is probably as well for a completely different podcast a different episode show. as well so shall we move on yeah what do we got next let's just scroll over to we've done that um, we've done that we've you've done got that. uh photo scan ah like yes I've, scan. we've got a new segment this week's app session get it yeah obsession obsession <laughs> yeah yep. okay uh, so this week again be- bearing in mind you know I've, I've keep dropping in now i've got an etsy store i've been trying to work out how you take good pictures of say photographs or greeting cards or postcards or anything like that so you might be out you might see a poster and you go oh you know what that was really good and you know you end up taking a picture of something or like a book cover or something like that the page is slightly curled and you've got reflection or maybe it's faded and everything like that well photo scan by google gets rid of all of that and i've tested it and the results have been amazing in fact if when i post this article up on the centralapple.com website i'll actually show you a before and after after what I've done. And basically, you frame the image, you take a picture, and then you sort of move it to within four points of the picture that you've just taken. It does some voodoo-y, funky magic, uh, and then it's done. It Whatever it does gives you a nice, flat image. It does a bit of colour correction. It removes like a massive strobe light. Obviously, it's not going to remove all of the light strobe effects, but it does a damn near find enough job uh, for that to happen. Uh, and I love it. It's been one of these things of like, oh, I'm going to go take a picture of this and I'll take a picture of that just to just to have a bit of a tinker with it. And I really, really enjoyed uh, using it. So that's my obsession of the week. Very Cure, good. Very good. I like have to say, uh, I've in the past, I've used uh, the Microsoft Office lens scanner. Yep, that's also been very good. Which is very good um, and is available free, of course. Uh, 
And if you use Dropbox, I believe they now have a, uh, a similar kind of scan type function to take items directly into Dropbox. But that one, yours sounds very good. It's been, they, some, yeah. they are. The, I think the big thing is to point out that the, the camera on the iPhone is excellent, right? Or, certainly for the last, certainly some from the 5S onward, right? You've got a perfectly good camera. What people don't often don't seem to grasp is if you're trying to photograph a document or a photograph or a painting, that's not what you need is to use one of these scanner apps because they take the photograph and then allow you to click on the four corners, as you say, and make it flat and square and all that. Um, these are things that you can do in obviously tools like Pixelmator and Photoshop, but they're automated. That's the whole point. The idea is want to take a picture of a picture. If you use one of those scanner apps, it just makes your life so much easier. The whole thing's just automated, which is brilliant. And like I say, it, it flattens things out. So if you've got a bit of a page curl going on there, it does all that stuff as well. And it's, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's, it's just, yeah, it's they're amazing. Yeah, they're absolutely amazing. Plus, of course, their original function is to uh, take shots of things like receipts uh, and whatnot, and actually make PDFs of them searchable. You know, turn them into text. Oh, yes, I've been down that. <laughs> I've been down that route. That's probably but there is a. I have been working on an article about things about scanning apps, sort of taking a leaf from Mac Stories to trying to write about the world of tech that I use on a daily basis. Because you know what it's like, unless you do something straight away, like you get a receipt and you scan it straight away, there is a high probability that you're just going to forget to do it and then it all builds up. Or maybe that's just me and my lazy, lazy wayward ways. I think that's most of us, Mark. There, you know, we, it, it's like when you were a kid. Yeah, When you were a kid, did your grandma always give you, you know, a diary, a journal every Christmas, and yeah. you promised faithfully that you would write in it every day. Yeah, three days and you in. you got to about the 2nd of January and gave up. Well, just look at the blog. That's a testament to, uh, <laughs> to how quickly I give up it on seems, things. Uh, yeah, that's right. There's, it seems really easy, doesn't it, when you thought, yeah, I write a blog, I can write some guff every day. It's easy. Anyone can do that. Yeah, actually try doing it. <laughs> this actually try doing it, and then you have be- begin to get a huge appreciation for people like uh, John Gruber or uh, you know the others who churn out sensible, meaningful, insightful work day after day. <laughs> you really do start to see. Uh, it's great, you know. You start a blog. The first three or four days are great because you're full of ideas. At the end of the first week, yeah, get yeah. to the first article in my case. That's something to be <laughs> proud of. <laughs> so, anyway, what should we do now? How about a trailer for another show? Yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, we'll drop one in now. Uh, where's the button gone? This would always. This would be so much better if my soundboard was working, yeah. guy. Let's let's just prove that uh, there's more on the my Mac network than nonsense like us and guy and Gaz, and put something sensible on, shall we? Amazon, Google. Apple, Android, iOS, Alexa, Siri, technology, sci-fi, video games, tablets, computers, flash drives, toys, weather, and general silliness. Geekiest show ever, every week on the MyMac Podcasting Network. There we are. That's another program on the MyMac.com network, which we are now a part of. So hopefully we'll be getting our idents updated and you'll hear us being promoted on a show where we've just promoted them. You've got the infinite back. You know what, Simon? One hour-ish. I think that's going to do because it's Sunday. I want food. I don't even know what time it is. Uh, nearly half four. And Disgustingly. <laughs> yeah, I'm supposed to be training because I've, I've looked at my schedule for May and I've got an event on. And my training so far this month has consisted of going for a brisk walk for 40 minutes. I was going to say, I thought you'd been, uh, you know, doing the right arm exercise of lifting beer. I, well, blimey, 24 hour licensing laws. Well, that's a load of nonsense. The other night I was coming back from, well, this has gone completely off topic. Where I live in the world, it seems you cannot buy alcohol at five minutes to midnight. Because well, of course that, not. You live in Wales. Yeah. But then you live in Wales. Five it's to midnight. Strict, fine. What's it? Strict Methodist chapel goers. Uh, I'm surprised yeah. you can buy booze on a Sunday at all. Yeah, tell me about it. So I thought, right, zoom up to the other garage up the road, go and get a bottle of wine just for the just to chill out with. Nope, it was one minute past twelve. Oh, 
Anyways, that's a completely off-topic part of the world we live in. I think, you know, as we're rambling, I think that will do us for today. So, Simon, if they wish to, how can they get a hold of you, good sir? Uh, Well, the easiest way, of course, is to hit me up on Twitter, which is at Serenak. That's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. And I've discovered that the capital is not fantastic you can get hold of me via at essential apple on the twitter if you want to keep up with me personally to see how i'm doing in the world and how my training's going and all the mad events i'm about to get up to that's at ocean speed you can get us on essentialapple.com where you'll find all the show notes links topics and articles we've talked about in the show we get we've got the amazon link which may be in the actual podcast page itself um the reason it's not working is quite complicated because of the host that i'm using and there's a bit up to we're in a bit of debate at the moment what host we're going to be using but that'll be fixed soon and of course if you so wish we've got a patreon page you don't have to make a donation but anything you do i can promise you we'll go back into the running of this show it helps cover hosting costs when equipment fails and if you've ever listened to this podcast you know that's quite a common occurrence it all goes back into the show. And again, that's all over at EssentialApple.com. And I think that'll do us, Simon. Thanks very much for giving up some time on the Sunday. And, no problem. And we will catch you next time. Cheerio. Okay. Everyone.